season's going to end on a double doink. 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 Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. That idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea. And then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know that idea. That's the result you're going to get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Don't go out there and laugh. The doctor is now in. And a very good Tuesday afternoon to you. You know what that means? Yes, it's a terrible Tuesday. T.C. Martin, Ballpark, VGK Frank. In the house, we get to vent our frustrations on a terrible Tuesday. Always our favorite day of the week. Last Tuesday of April. Okay. Is that terrible? I don't know. It's the last terrible Tuesday of April. No. Okay. Good point. There it is. All right. How's your Tuesday so far? Uh, it's been okay. <laughs> I, I, I had my Coke for breakfast. i got to be careful where I go with this. This is how it all started yesterday, and who knows where it went from there. I'm fine. There. That's good. All right. Terrible Tuesday it is. Yes. We'll dive into that. Trevor Maddich joins us today, the 15-time Emmy Award winner. Does a fantastic job on ESPN's college football he will join the program as we talk NFL draft, ramping up the NFL draft coverage, of course, this week. Trevor Fantastic, we talked with him last week, so thought we'd fine-tune a little bit with him this week, along with Steve Berline, Houston Nutt, diving into the draft uh, 48 hours away from the NFL draft, which will commence in Cleveland. So uh, looking forward to that on Thursday. We'll talk a little Raiders today as well, too. What will the Raiders do with their first-round pick? We'll get Trevor's thoughts uh, on that. Drew Felios, another Champa Bay guy, uh, a la T.J. Reeves, who does college football and basketball for ESPN and a plethora of other sports. And I think you may know where we're going with this on a terrible Tuesday when I say a plethora of sports. Drew is the play-by-play voice of Pickleball. On ESPN. That's right. Fastest you, Brian Benowitz, there you go. Fastest growing sport or leisure time in America? Is it really a sport? That's why I said, or leisure yeah, time in right, America. Right, leisure time. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, you know, bowling's on ESPN. Yes. The yeah. World Series of Poker's on ESPN. Yes. Are they sports? Some people would say yes, some people would say no. Well, then we can get into the NASCAR discussion as well, too, which we've you know, talked quite a bit about, is that a sport or not? Well, since you can die doing it, I think that makes it more of a sport. Okay. <laughs> Again, it's just me, though. Like you driving, uh, you know, I have a 7-Eleven across the street, and that, that, that's a sport. It's not it was not my fault. The place I was going didn't have Coke. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Should've, and it comes back to the Coca-Cola. Should have sued him for that. That's think it. Of it. <laughs> because, after all, it was a sport, and Coca-Cola is very involved in sports. <laughs> well, then there's no- what a Pepsi hater. Pepsi hater. Unbelievable. I think the only Pepsi reason... Pepsi to me is like the number four of sodas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ahead of Royal Crown Cola. <laughs> Real crappy cola? No, I don't care for that either. That's number five. <laughs> we got to hear the, uh, the Ballpark Franks uh, you know, top four of colas. That would be interesting. But I, th- I think the only reason that you despise Pepsi, because you reference this a lot, is because you didn't like... The, the Pepsi commercial with Michael Jackson back in the day. If they would have used the commercial where they set his hair on fire, mm-hmm. I always said I would be willing to drink a Pepsi <laughs> if that was what they actually used to promote it. Because really, Pepsi's pretty delicious. No, it's not. Why do you say that? Because it's too sweet. It, it is sweeter than Coca-Cola. Yeah, I don't yeah. care for it. I, okay. I really don't care. I Back in the day when the Pepsi challenge was all over the place, <laughs> I took the Pepsi challenge like five or six times. You did? I could always tell Coke. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, too. One of the ways that they would try yeah. to skew that contest, because they did it at Chicago Fest, which is a big music festival that they had on, wait, on wait, Navy They're trying Pier. to skew a, a legitimate contest? Well, to... what they call the legitimate contest. Yeah. When they would have the booths up for the Pepsi challenge, they would take a two-liter bottle of Coke, open it up, and keep it open for a while so it would go a little uh. bit flat. They would also keep the Pepsi cooler in ice, whereas the Coke wasn't as cold, and so it wouldn't taste as good to the people there. I immediately knew which was which, and I uh, picked the Coke. Because a a warm, flat Coke is still better than a nice cold Pepsi, in my opinion. Was it just your 
part of the Pepsi challenge where maybe that stand or oh, that it, cup was yeah, one? Yeah, yes, or was I, that with everybody? I, I can't say for everybody. Okay. I did not go to the yeah. do, take the Pepsi challenge all around the world. But I know that that particularly at Chicago Fest, that that is what the guy did. Because okay. I took the first drink and I went, well, I said it's warm and it's a little bit flat, but it's still a Coke, so I'll take that. And the guy, well, how do you know? You take the other one. And I, I literally jumped over his thing and I picked up the and I picked up the two liter bottle and the other one. I said, see, people, this is what they're doing. The guy was not pleased with me, because my friends were telling me, take the Pepsi challenge, take the Pepsi challenge. I'm like, and the guy's like, oh yeah, come on, take it. What you afraid? And I'm like, dude, you really don't want to do this to yourself. And by after after going back and forth for a while, there was probably about two or three hundred people there because it had drawn a crowd. He did not like my reaction. So it was the Pepsi challenge. So I could understand why Pepsi may skew it a little yeah. bit because what are they trying to prove here? Well, they were trying to. Prove, I remember this. They were back trying in to the prove day, that that in a blind taste test, even Coke drinkers would pick a Pepsi if they didn't know which was which. So okay. So they tried to make Coke, the Pepsi, Pepsi more appealing to them. It was right. just Coke and Pepsi. You had two glasses. Right. There was glass A and glass B, and then the bottles were behind there, and that's what they would do. So you didn't know what you were taking. But, it was but I had drank so much Coke that I right. I knew the difference. Coke's in, in your veins. I mean, well, I used simple. to be able yeah. to chug a two-liter bottle. Yeah. When Mean Joe Green did the thing with the 16-ounce <laughs> bottle, I was like, what's the big deal? I could chug a two-liter. I don't know if that's something you want to put on your resume. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. I could. I mean, I, I, I used to drink an awful lot so of Coke. I remember this way back in the day. Why didn't they expand it and go with about three or four other different colas versus Pepsi? But it was specifically just Coke, because right? Pepsi came up with the idea, and the, it was like it was like the Hertz and Avis thing in car rental. When you're number two, you try harder, or this, that, and the other. Remember the, yeah, that yeah, campaign? Yeah. Pepsi was going after Coke. Coke was number one; they were number two. Why would they give even acknowledge the other ones existed? Hey, here's RC Cola, which nobody drinks, but, oh, let's give them some publicity. Maybe somebody will want to try one now. No, they were just going after the big dog because they wanted to be the big dog. RC Cola, very underrated cola. It's garbage. It, you don't like it because it's sweet, because it's like Pepsi. It's, it's, it's sweeter There's than some Coca-Cola. places out here that actually have RC Cola. I know there's one particular... Point me in the direction. There's one particular yeah. bar in town, uh, Brando's, over uh, by, by the Silver Nugget. They actually import and bring RC Cola in, and you can order it in the there place there. Okay. Be- because it is. A, I, I, is I, it, had, it, I had friends back in Chicago that would drink a lot of RC yeah. Cola. We they, I believe it, they had a plant back there. Yeah, didn't we they? called yeah. it real crappy cola. Yeah. Now, yeah. again, that was just me. Yeah. That is <laughs> that not was, the opinion of K Shop Radio or the Internet or Sirius or TC Martin or anybody else. It's just grumpy old Cranky Frank. Cranky Frank. There it is. But I also have to be right. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. (laughs) It's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right. I guess, uh, you know, we have to start Terrible Tuesday, even though we talked a lot about it on yesterday's show about uh, the Chris Weidman injury. Uh, lasted only 17 seconds in his fight Saturday night, UFC 261 against Uriah Hall. Uh, the first kick was the last kick and the only kick, but uh, poor Chris Weidman, who, who goes down uh, yesterday, or rather Saturday after he delivers a kick in brutal fashion. And uh, again, we got to kick off a terrible Tuesday because this was terrible. It was brutal. But the good news is, is that Chris Weidman is... Recovery nicely. He had surgery uh, after the match, and then and on Sunday they inserted a titanium rod into his tibia. He broke his tibia and his fibula in his right leg as he was actually throwing a kick. And again, the the, the vision in, in watching this, it really was a terrible sight, and uh, still can't get over that. Well, no, it was absolutely horrible, but. I can't believe that you said we're going to kick off Terrible Tuesday with this. And I didn't mean it like that. So, but but you said it, I and as did. soon as you said it, I kind of cringed. That's terrible. Like, See, really? You yeah. kind of threw that in there subliminally and didn't even realize I it. I didn't, because uh, I'm thinking NFL draft. You know, we're... Yeah. We're in the kick mode here. We're but um, yeah, there you there you go again. Right, We're in uh, kick mode, yeah. Hey, what are you going to say next? Uh, break a leg or something? Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on, man. But no, I mean, it, it was a it was a horrific injury. It was very gruesome. Uh, Chris Weidman seems like he's going to be okay. Says he wants to fight again. He says that it'll probably be six to twelve months before he's back and start training again. In that, I think that might be a little bit optimistic, to be honest with you, from the severity of the break. 
I don't know if he gets in the cage again. I don't know if he should, outside of maybe being a trainer and putting his wisdom on to some other people out there. But you know what? If he gets the doctor's okay in that and he wants to do it, um, I think it would be interesting. But I'll tell you one thing, you know, like when you see a quarterback or any football player or any athlete for that matter, when they're coming off an injury, the first time when they take that hit or something, you kind of cringe and you go, I hope he's okay. If Chris Weidman does get back in the octagon, I know the first time he throws a kick, everybody is going to be holding their breath. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Same thing we saw with Alex Smith as well. We played the clip yesterday, and I was thinking about playing it again today, but I don't want to cringe because I cringe every time I either see it or hear it. So, Well, when you see it, you definitely yes, kind of cringe. No doubt about it. All right. Definitely, definitely terrible. All right, Major League Baseball. Madison Bumgarner gave up no hits on Sunday night, went the distance, recorded a shutout, win over the Atlanta Braves. Or did he actually record a shutout? Because he didn't record a no-hitter. Why? Because it was the second game of a doubleheader, which meant it was a doubleheader in 2021, which means you're not playing nine innings. You're playing seven innings only. It's like a sprint to the finish. Get out to an early lead, and you're good. Well, Bumgarner, seven innings of no-hit ball, not credited with a no-hitter in this game here. Should he be credited with a no-no? Well, no, because that's the rules. That it's not. It, 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 it's not right now. You can call it a no-hitter, and he did throw a no-hitter for the time it was in there. But if you play a nine-inning game, and you're the starting pitcher, and you go seven scoreless, hitless innings, and then the bullpen comes in and finishes it up, it's called a combined no-hitter. Why? Because more than one pitcher did it. A no-hitter is nine innings. I mean, and, and that is the rules. Should it be changed? Well, that's up to other people to decide. But the way the rules are right now, it is not a no-hitter. And it's really not even nine innings because, as we've seen before, we've well, seen pitchers. Well, minimum of nine innings. Right. Well. You can lose it in extras. Exactly, which we've seen it before. And for a pitcher to go nine innings and either uh, and not go out for the 10th and be replaced – he doesn't get credit for a no-hitter as well, too, because the game has to go to its conclusion with a minimum of, of nine innings. So, But, yeah, it, it's, it's not a no-hitter. It shouldn't be a no-hitter. But let's get to the real problem here. It's the seven innings is a joke. Okay, we don't need to have seven inning baseball games. All right, it doesn't serve a purpose. We're playing a single game, a game in a day. It's a nine inning game. We used to play double headers before last year and – they were nine-inning doubleheaders minimum until we play a winner. Whether it's 10, 12, 14, 18, 21 innings, it, it doesn't matter. Could be a triple-header in, in, in longevity, in, really, inning-wise. We've seen that before, too. But this seven-inning thing is a joke. Okay, last year you did this because of the COVID-shortened season. You're only playing 60 games. I understand you want to try to save your pitching staff. That's, that's, that's why you did that. But guess what? We're playing 162 games this year. Fans are back at the park. We're playing regular baseball. Well, except when we go to extra innings and we're playing softball, but that's another story in itself, right? All right, but we are back to playing a regular Major League Baseball season. There is no need for the seven-inning game anymore. We have expanded rosters, so you cannot say, oh, we're trying to save pitchers, all right? They have gotten away from playing doubleheaders, Year after year after year, and people used to love going to the ballpark on doubleheader days. You get one ticket, one admission price. You're playing doubleheaders with a 20-minute intermission in between. Now we've seen separate tickets, a day-night doubleheader, which this game was as well, too. But just get back to normalcy. Get back to playing baseball like you've played for over 150 years, whatever it's been. One year we do it. Now we're doing it again when we're back to 162 games can't stand you know the other thing about it too if you want to look at it realistically so you're buying a ticket for the game if the game goes into extra earnings you have no control over that you get a little bit of extra baseball for your money you pay full price for a seven inning game because <laughs> you're only getting seven nines of the action there should be a discount if you go to a day night double header they're charging you for two full games correct and you're only getting 14 of the 18 innings that's right that you are supposed to be receiving that's correct that should not be legal. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the Atlanta Braves uh, in those 14 innings, they got one hit. Combined. They got one hit in the first game. They got Zippo in the second game. So, man, if you're a Braves fan, not only you get shortchanged, 
you, your team didn't even get an opportunity to get its last two at-bats in two different games, so you got shortchanged four at-bats, and your team gets one hit in 14 innings. Does the pitcher for the, the other game get credit for a one-hitter since yeah. he only won seven innings? I, I wouldn't mind if they made the amendment. If you pitch a seven-inning game, and that's what it is, and you want a no-hitter, then you have to have the same stats that the girl down in North Texas did. If it's 20 and up and 21 down and you strike them all out, then I'll concede the no-hitter to you. Uh, Otherwise, no. You got it. Well, you know, let's stick it with baseball here a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know your uh, friendly league, your favorite league? It's not really part of the major leagues, but it's kind of in that ballpark, the Pioneer League. Oh, uh, yeah. You hear the latest thing they're doing? Of course I did. You know, I, yeah, we got the Atlantic League who is like kind of the experimental thing. And now you're right, the Pioneer League, which is a different league, they're getting involved, both independent leagues. Yes, the Pioneer League has decided that they're going to have a different approach to extra innings. They're not putting a runner on second base. Do you like the shootout in the NHL? Do you like the game being decided by that? Because that's kind of a baseball version of this. I know where you're going In the Pioneer League now, if it goes to extra innings, both teams, to save pitchers' arms... (laughs) will send a batter up. They will get five pitches or five swings. I'm assuming you can't just throw them outside or something. they got to be five swings. You get five swings, and it's a home run derby contest. All-star game. If you win the home run derby, then you win the game. If it's tied after the first round of the home run derby, then you go on to the next round, and you must pick a different batter. So you do have to pick different batters all the time. But instead of putting up a runner in second or continuing to play the 10th, 11th, 12th inning, the Pioneer League will be instituting the five-pitch home run derby extra inning stanza to decide their baseball games. Here's what I want to know. Who is it like the all-star festivities where you're bringing out your pitching coach? Who's the pitcher it in this situation? Say, it did not say that in is the Is the other team pitching? And, and that's or is your I'm own like, guy pitching? Well, yeah, if, if you're trying to save pitchers' arms, I would think that it's not the other team. How, maybe, maybe the other team's batting practice How can pitcher? you have a home run derby if it's not your own guy that's that's tossing you, you know, 55-mile-an-hour uh, you know, cheese right over the heart of the plate? Maybe they put it on right? a tee. Maybe right? it's a tee-ball home run derby. I don't know. It didn't say that in the article I saw, oh. but it will be five pitches. It says five pitches again i'm assuming it's got to be five swings because otherwise well if you're the pitcher for the other team just bounce them all in you know make them play cricket so (laughs) under this rule in the pioneer league each team designates a hitter who receives the five pitches which you talked about with the game determined by the most home runs hit if still tied after the first knockout, because that's what they're calling it. They're calling it the knockout rule. So the, instead of the shootout in hockey, it's the knockout this in This is baseball. called the knockout rule. So I was going to actually you know, talk about the story and say, hey, wait, is this, is, would, how do you think they're going to determine the knockout? Is this, are two guys going to go fisticuffs here? I think, Jake, out, I, think, I think Jake Paul's yeah. got to be one of the batters. Bring out the mascots, <laughs> let them duke it out. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, they're going to they're gonna face off until winner is determined. And uh, But there's more with this Pioneer League uh, as well, too. They also have a designated pinch hitter rule. Did you hear about this? Yeah. Oh, yes. I saw the other things, too. There was yeah. a couple other rules. Yeah, there. this allows a player to uh, be pinch hit for before returning to their defensive position for the remainder of the game. And additionally, a designated pinch runner rule allows an eligible roster player to be pinch run for before returning to their designated defensive position for the remainder of the game. What this means, I have no idea. And why are we doing this? I have no idea. It, it sounds to me like it's like soul pitch softball. And a, hey, uh, that guy over there, he's got a bum leg or he's a little bit heavy. If he gets on, we can pitch. We'll, we'll put Herb Washington in the lineup over here. And, uh, you know, the other stuff is like, let's just keep on making stuff up. Let's see. Hey, you know what? You're, not a, you're a hell of a shortstop, but man, you can't hit a lick. Okay. We're going to have somebody bat for you. So what is worse? And we talked about this last week in the Atlantic League, which is the king of the experimenting rules. And Major League Baseball has a partnership with the Atlantic League and also now is having this partnership with the Pioneer League. Moving the pitching rubber back one foot. What is worse, that home run derby rule or this? Or let me throw this. The Atlantic League also has this one. Uh, Tell me if you're familiar with this. The double hook rule. The double hook rule means that you're losing the designated hitter, which you would like this. Uh, you lose the DH when a team removes its starting pitcher. So whether it's injury or whether a reliever comes in, the double hook rule means that 
that relief pitcher has now got to take over for the DH. So he's taking over for the pitcher, but the starting pitcher isn't starting batting. The designated hitter is, but once he's removed, the relief pitcher, who's probably the worst option to be the new DH, is going to be the DH. I guess they were watching the game, the Dodger Padre game that we were talking about the other day. Why would you do this if you're trying to you're trying to increase hitting, get rid of the pitcher's hitting, so now the pitcher comes out and we're going to have the relief pitcher also hit? Explain that one. Good luck. Okay, I'll explain it. Okay. It's absolutely stupid. <laughs> it's moronic. <laughs> I mean, all this stuff is moronic. Almost don't forget, and we talked to uh, to you're basically to Don all, Logan about this too. Bigger bases in the AAA level will start the second half of the season. Remember, bigger bases. I don't know what is what. It's all bad. Where is any of this for the betterment of the game? I, I don't know, but you're basically saying if I put in a relief pitcher, he's pitching until he comes to the bat because then I'm pinching for him and <laughs> yeah. bringing in another relief pitcher right? because it makes no sense whatsoever. Right. By the way, Numchuk said that the double hook on speed dial three is completely a, a whole different story. It is. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the... Wouldn't that be the double hooker? Oh, my bad. Okay, there you go. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, we talked about, um, or I mentioned Jake Paul a little while ago. Well, Jake Paul, you know, it's amazing. You and I are not a fan of all these offshoot things, although I have watched some of them because of the three-ring circus, and I just hook up with some friends and realize what a bunch of knuckleheads I have as friends. (laughs) But... Jake Paul, his name continues to get thrown out there all over the place. After the UFC event, what we just talked about with Chris Weidman and the three championship fights, which I thought were all sensational, Daniel Cormier got in the face of Jake Paul on the way out, basically challenging him to a fight, said, I will fight you, I will go down to 205 in an MMA fight. Well, Jake Paul's not going to fight an MMA fight. Jake Paul's around 200 pounds, so Cormier said I would be willing to go down to basically what he fought at his light heavyweight, but that's as low as he'll go but only in an MMA fight, which, again, okay, Daniel Cormier says he's going to rip his face off. I don't think that's going to happen. But now Kamara Usman, the guy who we're talking about, who's he going to fight next? Right. Will it be McGregor? Will it be somebody else? You know, there's a lot of names out there. He has come out now and told TMZ, DC, take it easy. You know, chill. I got this You don't have to fight him. I'll take him on. Basically, he called out everyone in his division and said, look, everyone out there is waiting for me to call them out by name just to get a payday because they're fighting me. Nobody's impressed me. McGregor hasn't impressed me. Colby Covington hasn't impressed me. Nobody really deserves a fight with me. So maybe I'll take on this phony fighter guy, make a couple mil, which is more than he'll probably make in the MMA fight, even with UFC, and I'll take on him. So now he's saying... I'll take on Jake Paul. In boxing. Yeah, it, it, well, he didn't say it. Didn't say exactly well, what it is, but I'm assuming it's it's going to be boxing because Jake Paul's not going to fight anything right, else. Right, right. But here we are. We're saying we're tired of all this stuff. Jake Paul used to call out the names trying to get himself. Now people are calling him out. Jake Paul is kind of like Money Mayweather was in boxing. He's becoming a marketing genius. He's got his name out there. He gets in people's faces. He's getting all the press and making all the dinero and the money for it and that. And he's not a legitimate fighter. I'll give him credit. He's looked good in the boxing matches he had against guys that are totally not boxers. But now you have actual fighters calling him out. Dana White must be going crazy, going, I can't... This is an albatross. I don't know what to do about it. All my guys want to fight Jake Paul. Why? Because they're going to make more in that fight than I'm paying them. The social media phenomenon strikes again here. You have billions of followers. You get people that, that buy into this nonsense. They're not boxing fans, but they pay for these pay-per-views, and they're somewhat entertained. But again, when you really boil it down, if this guy faces a legitimate boxer, he loses. He loses badly. He didn't want to take the conventional way that every other boxer or MMA guy takes. 
and especially boxing, where you're basically groomed from the age of six, seven, or eight. You develop your craft. You, you, you fight as an amateur, hundreds upon hundreds of fights, and then you try to turn pro, and it's not easy to get professional fights. This guy has circumvented all that, and you're right. He's making a lot of money. But re- let's He's made make, a mockery of all of he's combat made a mockery. sports to me. But let's remember, too, okay? This guy is not making tons of money. He's not making the boxing money. He's not even making the mid-range boxing money. He's definitely not going to make the elite boxing money. But what does that say about UFC? Does Usman really think he's going to make more money than what Dana White can give him for a championship bout? Because I don't see this Trilla, whatever they're calling this, okay? These guys aren't making $10 million. They're not making $5 million, okay? They're making good money for what this is. This network cannot afford these type of purses. They can't even get these things legitimately sanctioned. That's why they have to be in empty buildings, you know? So... When this can get sanctioned, when you can bring some real sponsors to the table, when it's not a joke, when it's not in a, a smoke-filled arena that people are getting high and you're having you know announcers on there that have don't even know what they're, they're talking about and you're having like Oscar De La Hoya come and be your announcing crew, it, it doesn't have the, the respect. And yes, it, it, it's major money to, to, to Jake Paul, but in the Canelo Alvarez and the Triple Gs and those type of guys and Money Mayweather's, this money doesn't even co- come close. They can't match it. No, and, and it doesn't, but a lot of MMA guys don't make the big money. Remember, I mean, John Jones says he wants like $30 million for yeah. his next fight. That's a ton of money. That's more than MMA fighters make. When Randy Couture fought um, uh, Tony, James Tony, Years ago, Tony's the one that got the million dollars. Randy Couture didn't get that much. Right? These MMA guys still don't make that much. Ben Askren said the reason he took the Jake Paul fight was because he made four or five times more than he did yeah. in any MMA fight before. He was a champion. He was a champion, not in UFC, but in Bellator, and he had big fights in, in UFC. So for some of these guys, it is a big payday. It, it may not be boxing payday, but it is more than they make in a lot of and the we UFC know, events. And we know the success with the UFC. Why, why doesn't Dana White um, publicize what the purses are? Well, they used to put them out on sites all the time, and I know that Dana was never a big fan of that. Because it is, public information, it, it is public information, especially if it's in Nevada, you it's can public. Use, I, I know that they Bloody Elbow and uh, MMA Junkie and that, yeah. some of those they used to post it yeah. all the time, and they'll show you. like some of We those know pre- what the boxing purses well, are. Well, some of those prelim fights yeah. and the stuff like that, you're, you'd be amazed. Some of the guys make like 2500 maybe five grand, and yeah. usually the winner's purse is twice as much as the loser's purse, but they're not gigantic money for everything. A lot of the guys used to make a lot of money on their endorsements, in that, and they took that away when they had the sponsors. Now with Venom there, you can't wear your own sponsors and endorsers in that, so it, it, it's not the easiest way in the world to make a living. And I understand that in the beginning, but UFC has become so popular and has the ESPN TV deal, the, the purses should be more than what they are. But then again, we really don't know what the purses are, which is a little bit different. All right, I'll leave you with this. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was asked at a press conference as he gets ready for the draft for the San Francisco 49ers. The head coach was asked by a reporter if Jimmy Garoppolo will be on the roster on Sunday. Now, why Sunday, you ask? Well, the draft takes place Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I would ask the question, is he going to be on the roster in training camp, or is he going to be on the roster opening day? But this reporter decided to use the term, will Jimmy Garoppolo be on the 49ers roster on Sunday? And this was Kyle Shanahan's response. Um, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday, so I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. Um, So that goes for all of us. What the heck is that? I think he probably watched Armageddon the other night because it was probably on TV for the one millionth time. And so if a big meteoroid hits the planet and everybody dies, then nobody will be on the roster on Sunday. That was his way out. It was basically saying, I'm not answering your question. Get out of here, jabroni. And that's how he should answer it. Say, no comment. Uh, We'll see what, what transpires. You can handle this very smoothly. And then when you make a mockery about this, and we just talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think it was last Terrible Tuesday, when a a, a coach did this exact same type of thing, when you go to the absurd. All you're doing is losing credibility. You're getting everyone to talk about it. You put yourself and your organization in a bad light here. When you can handle it, 
professionally, and that's not being professional. And again, when you are a coach, you're a general manager, you're a star player, believe me, your media personnel are telling you, you don't get our fan base you know, mad at our organization. Just here's how you handle the media. Here's how you handle these questions. And some guys do a pretty good job of it. But there are so many of these coaches that are ill-equipped to handle the media. And again, no one is antagonizing. They're asking you a legitimate question. You went and got this quarterback from New England, all right? And people thought he was pretty good. Now we find out he's not very good, so you have egg on your face. You paid him a boatload of money. Now you're probably going to have to live with the consequences as, hey, he's going to be our quarterback. we got to get him better, or we want to get rid of him, or now we're going to draft a quarterback with the number three overall pick. Okay, fine. Just say, we're going to see what happens. Open competition. We'll decide to make our move. Real easy. It shuts everybody up, and you don't look like an ass. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, Pretty I'm, simple, isn't it? I think I might have to make a rare appearance at church this week because maybe the rapture's coming. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, because, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, but I, I also really feel sorry. You're the Grim Reaper. I, I also really feel sorry for Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> What's he going to say now when the next time a reporter asking something? Right. So do you think you're on the roster Sunday or do you think the world's ending? <laughs> <laughs> terrible Tuesday it is. <laughs> All right. Hit us on Twitter with your terrible Tuesday takes at TCMartin21 at VGK Frank. All right. Pickleball. Why is that on my television? Why is it on more and more of my television on ESPN? Because you don't change the channel. I yeah, yeah, that's why I that's why I search to see what's on. I check it out once in a while. I, for the life, of, it, it looks like it's probably a fun leisurely activity sure, to play. Sure. It's better exercise than shuffleboard sure. was. It is not. Not an ESPN worthy championship. The fifty thousand, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, that whatever their championship thing is, I watch it and I go, "Wow!" ESPN will show a lot of non-sports yes. on the sports network. All right, Drew Felios, who's doing the pickleball play-by-play for ESPN, he's going to join us next. All right, let me put some water on your ball. More from the master debater. C. Martin. You'll never know what comes out. Brown, 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 Bill, brown, Bill. All right, don't forget, for all of your CBD needs, RVD CBD is the place to go. That's it. How's that? RVDCBD.com. 21% off anything on the website there. Use that promo code TCRVD and already very affordable. You can get anything off the website, 21% off. That is the tinctures, the smokables, the edibles, the creams, everything. RVDCBD.com. Check it out. 21% off. Just use that promo code for TCRVD. There you go. The WWE Hall of Famer, RVD. There you go. I tell you, man, my shoulder feeling pretty darn good. It is so good. I think I'm about ready to take double B's invitation and play some pickleball up on the courts at the top of the Cosmopolitan. You know, he's invited us. We got to go. He's playing like a couple times a week. What do you think? Should, should we get ready? DC and double B on the PB court. Yeah, I guess so. There you go. With the VGK Frank. Uh, uh, there you go. I mean, come on, you're the racquetball guy. You're the former tennis pro. I mean, come on, you, you, you got pickleball written all over you, my friend. I mean, again, if I would have found out about the game years ago, maybe I would be decent at it. I used to play all that stuff. I used to, I mean, I used to uh, in, enjoy playing ping pong and badminton. And, yeah, I mean, I, I won some uh, some leagues in that that I was in playing racquetball. I played tennis in junior college. I was never a pro, but yeah, I whatever. played in junior college. You're a college, pro in our, but, in our minds. Okay? Yeah. You're, you're the pro of the show, plain but, and simple. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that was – Many years, many pounds, and before I broke my neck ago. <laughs> ping pong or table tennis? What's proper? Well, I always called it ping pong. Everybody, uh, I yeah. mean, people call it table tennis a lot now, but we made our own ping pong table, me and my best friend in the house that we had back home. And when you, there's actually a, a, an official wood in that that you use for the table, and the official paint for a ping pong table is called ping pong green. I didn't see a table tennis green. <laughs> so if the paint that you put on that has the proper, um, you know, texture and everything else to it, they called that ping pong green. So if that's the name of the paint, I'm assuming that's the actual name of the of the sport. All right. 
I, just, I, I don't know if there's a pickleball green or not. I just like the old, I just like the old video game pong. I mean, that was that was strong right there. That was really really slow pace. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing with pickleball; it doesn't look like it's that fast paced. So you can play it. A lot of strategy. A lot, a lot of strategy. Str- right. A lot of bending down, too. All right. We're going to bring in our pickleball expert. What do you think of that? That's right. Uh, he does work for ESPN with college football and basketball, also CBS Sports Network, a plethora of sports, including pickleball. Drew Felios, the pride of Tampa Bay, our good friend TJ Reeves says, Drew Felios is the man. Another guy from Champa Bay. I don't know if we can handle this, Drew. Two guys from the 813. Are they a double team in pickleball? That's a good question. There you go. What's going on, Man, Drew? To get an endorsement from TJ Reeves, wow, I finally feel like I've made it in this world. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. And, yes, you know, I will take pickleball expert or connoisseur or whatever because a year ago, whenever sports stopped and my entire – life basically came crashing down my entire book of business. You know, I've been doing this just like, you know, a lot of people. I've, I've been doing this for over 20 years. And when everything gets wiped off the board and you kind of wonder, wow, am I going to be doing this next year or that next year? I made the decision about a year ago. I didn't want to do games inside my house. I didn't want to wear a mask while I was doing a game. And uh, p- here comes pickleball <laughs> outside, everybody having fun, enjoying their lives. And uh, what a sport, man. It's been great. So, Drew, talk to us about pickleball. We've been talking about it. And, yes, we have, some, we have some fun with this as well, too. But I know people that have been playing this game for 20-plus years, and now it's really become kind of a phenomenon. And anytime it hits you know, the worldwide uh, leader uh, you know, in television, whether it's ESPN or CBS, Sports Network or, or whatever, I mean, people are, wow, they're, they're, they're really into this. Tell us how you got the call to do pickleball. And what okay. did you have any experience with this at all? Any knowledge? Of it? I, I I had no experience with it. And for people who hear the name pickleball and think, "Man, have I heard that before?" It sounds familiar. It sounds funky, but it sounds familiar. You used to be able to get a little pickleball set at Kmart back in like the in the late seventies, early eighties. It came in a little box. It came with a couple paddles. You could set it up in the yard. And basically just go or in the driveway or what happened. See, just like my croquet. Drew, I've been talking about croquet back in the day. People go, what are you talking about? That's the way. There you go. (laughs) Exactly. So a lot of people don't realize they've actually played this sport before. What it is is just, you know, a condensed form of tennis. And uh, I got into it in 2018. Um, The the, uh, guy who, um, his name is Dave Benz. He's the play-by-play announcer for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm so, I, I was sort of like his backup doing pickleball. Well, the NBA season ran long for them because they were in the postseason that year. They had Jimmy Butler, and, and uh, you know, those guys were going off. So I was a fill-in that year. That was 2018, guys. Now 2021. I, I, I remember doing it then three years ago, and I thought, okay, I like this sport, but it's a little slow, and, you know, a lot of senior citizens playing it. I just don't know if it goes over well on TV. Guys, in the last three years, you should see the athletes playing it now. You should see the skill and the speed and the strength and the guys coming over from tennis to play this game and to win. You know, guys that are maybe ranked 70th, 80th on the ATP Tour think, heck, why not go play pickleball, be competitive, win some tournaments, and be a celebrity and sign endorsement deals there? Because this is the sport where everybody is flocking to right now. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because years ago they used to have a tennis tournament out here called the Tennis Channel Open. And on one of the courts at the Darling Tennis Center here in Vegas, they had set up a pickleball-type court. And you'd see some of the tennis players going over there and kind of just play around with it and have a little bit of fun with it. And it was so weird. Like, I would go on the courts and watch the guys warm up. I'd see Karlovich hitting 145-mile-an-hour serves in his warm-ups or something and then go see pickleball at the same time. And it was like a complete completely different sport but they were kind of having fun with it and i remember talking to somebody there and they were like well i know people don't know what this is right now that much but trust me in a few years this sport is really going to grow because we're really giving it a push and now some people say it's the fastest growing sport in america yeah well in the past few months i've been out to phoenix arizona uh i i went to st george utah and squeezed a couple nights in vegas and right after that this was a couple months ago uh, I just went to Newport Beach, California. Um, there's two now professional tours that endorse pickleball. There's one called the PPA, 
and there's another called the APP. And it's kind of like the NBA and ABA back in the day. Uh, these two tours are dueling against each other. You know, what they, it's kind of survival of the fittest. One tour is even signing players exclusively saying, hey, just play on our tour. So they're going back and forth. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out in the end. But this event last weekend was uh, it's called the U.S. Open. It stands alone. It's kind of like the Masters in golf. Stands alone from any, anything else. And uh, it, what an event it was. And for the first time in history, we went live on CBS Sports, live on a sports network for the first time ever. So fully live, not tape delayed, not shown next week or in, in a month. We were fully live, and uh, and I think I think I mean I think it went over great. People absolutely loved it. So, Drew, what is, are the sponsorship uh, dollars there? Are, are we seeing a, a bunch of signage? Are there major companies behind this? And what are the purses like for these guys? Well, just to give you an idea, three four years ago, like I said, whenever I got in, there were fifteen paddle makers. Now there's over a hundred. All these companies are going in saying, we want to make it in pickleball. We want to make it because they see the demand. I mean, Dick's Sporting Goods, not to give them a free plug, but you go into a major sporting goods store now, and they've got their own pickleball section. Uh, So, you know, all that stuff is coming. And a lot of these brands, guys, I mean, uh, some of them I've never heard of. Others like Franklin and, uh, and Selkirk, I mean, I've heard of getting into other sports but now have gone all in on pickleball. Um, I think it still has a ways to go. And there are still people who think, and especially tennis people, they'll never get to our level. Well, maybe so, but they're certainly getting somewhere. And the difference between tennis and pickleball, tennis is kind of a, tennis is kind of like, hey, we have this court, and you guys come back in two hours and get out of here. Pickleball is like, hey, we got this court. Come play with us. Let's go drink a beer. Let's let's invite other people too. It's a very social. The culture much more friendly, much more social, and that's why, guys, it's been such a hit with your average Joe. It kind of sounds a little bit to me like the old uh, feud that started out when you know you had to share the mountain with skiers and snowboarders or something like mm-hmm. that right. version of that in this day and age. But you talk about the equipment a little bit and how many different paddles they are. How expensive is it to get involved in pickleball? I mean, I know in tennis, you mentioned that a tennis racket, you can get something cheap for $10 at a used sporting goods store. You can pay four or $500 for it, get it restrung every time you go out on the court, different things like that. I know when I used to play, I always use a new can of ball every single match because you're not going to use used ones. What is pickleball like? I mean, how expensive are the paddles? Do you have to get anything redone to them, or do you just use it till it wears out? I mean, because a lot of people don't know that kind of stuff about it. I would recommend if you're just starting out, you want to play, go on, say, Amazon or something like that. I mean, you can get a good paddle for 25 bucks, $30, no problem. But it's incredible when you go into these sporting goods stores now how expensive these things are, and they're not very big, of course, they're smaller than tennis rackets, and that's another thing. When you're on a pickleball court, don't ever call it a racket. It's a paddle. I mean, people will – they get offended when you call it a racket. It's a paddle. So, uh, but, 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 I mean, if you go into your average sporting goods store, yes, yeah, some of these paddles, you know, endorsed by Ben Johns, you'll see Ben Johns' picture on the paddle. He is the number one player right now in the game. And these paddles are priced at $79, $89, some of them close to $100. There's other ones that claim to be lifetime warrantied. Those go for about $150, even more than that. So some of the high-end ones can be as high as $150. But if you're just starting out the game, you want to try it out, like I said, go on Amazon, ask your friends, whatever. You can get a decent paddle for $30, $40, no problem. And now we're learning pickleball etiquette with Drew Felios. That's outstanding. There it is. It's okay to have a beer and everything, but that's okay. Paddle. You have to use the word paddle. And I knew it it was a paddle. You know, it's like, thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah, right. (laughs) Guys, guys, it is incredible. Like, I, I do shows, you know, for lots of networks. And like I said, I've been doing this a while. But for pickleball, um, a lot of these shows, like last week during the Open, the first six days, we're streaming, and we're streaming on Facebook. We're streaming on uh, on YouTube, on all these different platforms. And people are commenting, so you can see constantly what people are saying. Now, I'm not used to that, and I'm sure you guys probably aren't either. 
you know, during a show. But, I mean, some of these people are so passionate and so diehard. The terminologies, every little move, everything. There's a move in pickleball called an Ernie. And that's when you kind of step across to the side and blast the ball across the line without stepping into that violating area called the kitchen around the net. And it's kind of like a slam dunk in basketball. It's a really exciting play when executed well. If you say that wrong or if you get that terminology wrong, these people, they, they take it personal. They're very passionate about this sport. But altogether, though, Everybody's friendly. Uh, it's it's just as an announcer, that's kind of the tough thing when you get into a new sport. You got to get it right because man, these people are serious about their sport. And the thing about it is, and you mentioned it, senior citizens were playing this, and I remember uh, a couple ladies telling me about this way back when. And like you said, it is just, it's grown exponentially. Where it's it, it's just you know. Maybe that's where some of the names come from, an Ernie or, or some of these other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is that. But I noticed that you were talking in your last broadcast, was the last weekend or whatever, about a 14-year-old phenom. So it isn't just older people. It's just not people casually playing. The now kids are starting to play this. And, and what is the story about the, the – the, I believe her name is what, uh, Leah or Anna Leah Waters? I mean, she's a, a tremendous athlete and a, sounds like a very – outstanding pickleball player at age 14 guys the next guest you have on your show outside of me has got to be this kid because uh i got back into this in january i was kind of called to duty flew out to phoenix and sat down i had heard about this kid playing with her mother as a team so her mother's in her early 40s and anna lee is 14 years old and they told me Yes, he was playing as a 12-year-old in the pro ranks. I laughed. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Guys, the team they were playing, the first time I saw this kid play, they were playing two girls. One went to UCLA. She's 24 years old, was on the tennis team, and was a superstar, and now has made the conversion to pickleball. And the other one was a, was a, a, a star tennis player at the University of Utah. You had two big-time Pac-12 you know, athletes, tennis players, smashing balls at this 14-year-old, and she was unflappable, and just her mannerisms and the way she played. And it's almost like, you got to be kidding me. This kid's not doing this. And she's just like a machine. She's unfazed. And when you really look at her, yeah, she's a kid. But to watch her play, your jaw drops. She could be the next mega star in this sport if she wants to be. But, yeah, her name is Anna Lee Waters. She plays with her mother, Lee Waters, and to watch them communicate, play together, and win tournaments, guys, is really, really cool. Again, part of the family atmosphere that pickleball offers. I know I've watched some of the pickleball on TV. Uh, you were probably doing the play-by-play, and I didn't even know about it at the time. Mm-hmm. But when you're, you're seeing this, I know there's singles, there's doubles, there's also mixed doubles. Is there a big discrepancy or difference between the level that the men play and the women play, or is it a little? Is it a sport that kind of uh, it, it doesn't show itself as much that women can be as competitive on the court with the men as men can be uh, against them? That's a great question, man. You know, in tennis, the first focus is singles. It almost feels like doubles is kind of an afterthought in tennis. Um, pickleball, it's the absolute reverse. Doubles is where the most action is. It's where the players feel like, you know, it's the most gratifying. They want to be a part of a team. They like the longer volleys. Um, the fans are entertained more. Um, we had several plays go viral in our last tournament in Newport Beach because of just the quality of play. Um, and just back and forth, you know, some of these volleys lasting well over a minute long and these teams just running all over, covering so much ground. But yeah, doubles almost comes first. I would say women's doubles is the most popular. Next would probably be men's doubles. And then I'll tell you what, the mixed, the men and the women, whenever they combine, that's just as exciting as anything as well. And of course, with that comes some drama. Some partners split up. Some partners grow apart. Um, sometimes the search for the perfect partner doesn't go the way you want it to go. It always produces a lot of storylines for me as a broadcaster to kind of take and explain to our audience as we go tournament to tournament. So it's really interesting to see that. Um, also, last week they had seniors partnering with some of the younger 
pros. So a 25-year-old with a 65-year-old, it produced some really, really cool moments. But that's part of the intrigue of the game, the doubles and the team aspect of it, guys, that tennis just doesn't have and hasn't figured out. And the people really, really seem to enjoy. All right, Drew Felios joins us uh, doing pickleball. Uh, ESPN, CBS Sports Network, the growing phenomenon of pickleball, and again, uh, does everything. I mean, like I said, you've been in this business for 20-plus years, college football, basketball, plethora of other sports. I know you're a Florida State guy as well, too, and you reside there in Champa Bay, as as our boy T.J. Reeves likes to say uh, as well, too. So, yeah, you're you're in, uh, you know, we call this the entertainment capital of the world, but uh, you're kind of in championship world there right now. Well, you got our guy, John Gruden, there, and I I know he's doing great things. Uh, I I actually watched his kid all through high school, and when he was coaching high school football, uh, you know, 10 years ago, it was really, really incredible after he left the Bucs. But uh, next to Tampa, man, my favorite city, guys, is Las Vegas. I absolutely love it. And when I come there for a pickleball tournament, I better see you guys there. There's no doubt about it. We'll have you on. Just have some paddles uh, ready for us, okay? Plain and simple. Well, done, you, you, can invite, you can invite them to the Cosmopolitan. You can have a tomahawk steak, then use the tomahawk chop and pickleball, and it can be a new weapon. There it is. <laughs> Before or after I do the Ernie? Uh, absolutely and i I believe there's the the big tournament coming there in september i think it's called the las vegas open it's at the plaza downtown so uh look forward to that and like i said guys i'm going to make arrangements to have you guys there so either playing or a front row seat perfect my man appreciated that appreciate it we'll look forward to to talking with you more june i know you'll be doing uh, some college football and stuff uh, as the fall approaches as well too so we'll definitely have you back on and uh, look forward to seeing you and meeting you and getting you out here in vegas and maybe getting amelie and her mom on the show that's right there it is i mean he said the next guest we have to have has got to be annalee i mean that's definitely an upgrade from tj reeves there's no question Without question, without question, no doubt. Well, because she's as fluid as water. Yes. <laughs> All right, my man. Appreciate you, Drew. Take care, brother. Anytime, guys. All right, there he is, Drew Felios. Uh, talk a little pickleball today. And, and we've talked about it in passing, uh, a growing sport. This is on television. It's all over the place, and it is growing rapidly, no question about it. I will say – I can watch pickleball and have a little bit more respect for it than I can with cornhole uh, or yeah. spike ball or something. Yeah. Although spike ball is an athletic thing, it's just silly to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and I was watching some of that over the weekend again. You know? And and I and I've actually watched like I've uh. watched squash and racquetball on TV as well. They don't necessarily equate to the TV screen. Pickleball yeah. kind of does. Yeah. Yeah, but the the whole thing with the, with the spike ball, spiking this ball off the trampoline, and guys have some moves. But again, you're in the grass, and again, I didn't see any sponsorship banners. There was no crowd out there. Well, and and, yeah. and, and then yeah. when they miss a serve and it hits the side of it, but then they get yeah. a second one, out, and yeah. you're like, what are they even yeah. doing? You know, Th- yeah. This is just it's it's a frat party. It's an excuse to go out and get a kegger. <laughs> All right. Trevor Maddich is going to join us on the other side of the hour. Don't you dare go anywhere. We dive deep into the NFL draft coming up on Thursday. We'll talk quarterbacks. We'll talk Raiders. We'll talk positions. We'll talk it all with the 15-time Emmy Award winner, Trevor Maddich, coming up next. T.C. Martin Show on this terrible Tuesday.